I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tobacito. We are so happy to have you back this week listening to us, especially grateful for the sponsor of today's episode. Um, wait, Shh. I had it right here. Who is the sponsor of today's episode? Laura. Laura Renaud. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you, Laura Renaud. I was like, wait, her name just blanked. Laura is a um, is an awesome listener and a great encourager, um, and she gave a very generous donation to sponsor this episode of The Remedy. So thank you, thank you, Laura, and we are so grateful for all of our sponsors, all of our listeners, all of you who um, like us and rate us, and um, you know, we still, we're still hanging on to that five-star rating, Kev. Thank God. I know. Still in place. So happy about it. <laughs> so um, if you have not rated us yet or uh, posted something about us, there, it's easy to do. All you have to do is go to the end of the podcast and you can like it, rate it, give us five stars, and um, and you can even write a little note about what you think about the remedy. So we would really appreciate it. Um, and I go and read everyone. I do too. <laughs> I love doing and that. And I'm so grateful. They're yeah. always so encouraging. It makes it all worth it. Definitely. So, so appreciate all the love and support. Um, and if you would like to um, sponsor the next episode of The Remedy, it's super easy. You can Venmo us at, at Tova-Cedo or you can also um, make a donation on our website at tovacito.com. You just click on the remedy and click on make a contribution. Uh, it's super easy and any amount helps. We've had people give $25 all the way up to, I think our largest donation was over 1000 Really? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was actually well over That's 1, awesome. So, um, yeah. And people are very, very generous, um, and we really appreciate it. So, um, we are back today with our guest from last week, uh, Dee. Welcome. Welcome Hi, back. Hi, Tova and Kevin. Thank you, thank you. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to be here, to be back. Well, we're so glad to have you back. I was really excited um, to continue this conversation, especially we were talking about it a little bit before we started. Um I've just had so much incredible feedback about your episode last week. Um, I was reading one that I especially loved, and it was this girl um, who reached out to me and let me know that she, with tears in her eyes, texted, thank you for talking about this conversation because she has, this has been a big part of her journey is figuring out um, her mental health because it had such such a profound impact her what was going on in her mind had such a profound impact on what was happening in her body and 
she said the whole conversation that we had and the information that you shared last week just kind of normalized that mind-body connection and how important it is um, and and how, like, normal you are <laughs> to... as I mean, wouldn't you say, Dee, at some point in every single one of our lives, we go through something or experience something or have something that's going on in our minds that that is troubling or difficult or uh, needs a diagnosis or whatever it is. And that, what's going on in our mind, absolutely has an effect on our bodies. Wouldn't you say at some point in most of our lives we hit that? Yeah, I think statistically, I think the number is one in five generally, so maybe 20%. Um, are expected at some point in their life to have some sort of neurological condition, whether it is, you know, even insomnia, stress, seizures, ADHD, anything brain based. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often like to say I feel like stress, anxiety, depression, insomnia, like all these things, especially in today's world, is just the human condition. Like yeah. we're just wired to look for what's not working, that threat response is always working. And sometimes it's an overdrive. So I just think it's the way we're wired naturally. We're not wired for joy and vitality and optimism. We're wired for looking for what's wrong. And so I think it takes that extra effort and programs like yours and people like you and uh, Kevin to be doing this kind of work to help people have the tools and resources to, to flip that switch. Okay, it's interesting. I so appreciate that you said that, and I so agree with that. I mean, one in five makes sense if you're getting like a diagnosis, but the stress, anxiety, depression, I mean, at some point, it seems like whether it's a condition, something that's diagnosed or or just situational, I mean, I, I don't know anybody really who hasn't experienced it whether because of life, because of loss, because of a job situation, because of a child, because of an illness, um, because of, you know, terrible loss, uh, whatever it is. I mean, even I've had so many people, and I'm sure you have too, even with COVID, just everything in their lives have changed and has changed. And, and so many of us are grieving the way that it used to be. I mean, even my kids starting school today, you know, uh, we were laughing about it earlier, but like they rolled out of bed in their pajamas and we always like take the first day of school picture by the car. And I mean, we've been doing it since they were, since they came, you know, pre-K and, and first grade since I adopted them. And, you know, today's first day of school looks really different. And that's, you know, I was, we were talking about it before I came here while they were breaking for lunch. And I said, what is this like for y'all? And mm. they said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get used to it, but we sure wish we were in school. Like what kid says that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all longing for what, what we have known, what we're missing, what used to be. And I I think I read an article. Well, I know I read an article and I think, I know Kevin and I, I think we've talked about it, how so many people who are struggling with COVID, they're, the thing that they're dealing with and the thing that they're struggling with is a loss. They're feeling a sense of loss. Definitely. 
whether it's going to the office or their job altogether mm-hmm. or the financial hit or simply, I can say that from a personal standpoint that that's definitely true. Yeah, going to a restaurant without a mask. Yeah. I mean, one of my friends, she wears like the face cover thing because she was like, mm. I want people to know I'm smiling at them. Yeah. She was like, I really miss like, it's true. I don't know if people are looking at me, no. smiling at me. <laughs> There's a, a level of human interaction that just doesn't exist now. Yeah. It's strange. It is very, very strange. Body language has completely changed, you know? Yeah. And when COVID yeah. first hit, it was like people were kind of giddy about getting out and seeing each other. And it seems like we've kind of passed the the giddiness uh-huh. of that. And yeah. <laughs> people are kind it's of wore off, cranky. And now we're yep, getting cranky again. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, I just think at some point, Dee, and I'm, I'm really grateful to you for talking about it with us today, that all of us experience, I mean, I would venture to guess that all of us at some point would come to your, come to your clinic or come to where you do this test and our brains would light up because, of, you know, because of stress, depression, anxiety. I mean, it, it just, it just would, it would, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I rarely see like a healthy brain. I mean, partly because people come to me generally when there's something that they're worried about, but I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I mentioned last time I've, I work a lot at, at Equinox fitness centers. I I'm a partner with them. So they refer a lot of their, you know, TRX clientele who go through their really extensive physical workup. And then if they're seeing still some, some challenges and they think might be brain related, then they refer to me. Um, so as I built that partnership, I, did brain maps on several, I want to say 10 or 15, really, you know, mid twenties, thirties, healthy trainers at Equinox, really the picture of physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some of them had sort of, you know, the most concerning brain maps I've really seen. So what looks like maybe someone would be really healthy on the outside. Sometimes there are just underlying issues. Um, So I rarely see like a really healthy brain once in a while I do, especially an executive who just wants to kind of check their brain. Um, Mm or someone who's just feeling okay and they're just curious. But generally, you know, we, we, we're really good at compensating for what might not be firing optimally in our brains. So mm-hmm. there's that too. Um, but I, I want to close the loop on a couple points that, that I heard you guys talk about that I think are so important. Um, definitely this COVID world, right? Because it, it's unlike anything in our lifetime that we've experienced where yeah. it's not the stress of maybe you being sick or your kid being sick or someone you care about being sick, but, or or the possibility of this, but a pandemic, a global pandemic literally has us all in the same stress boat, essentially. Right. Like we're worried for ourselves, for the people we love, for others, for just the future. There's just such a level of stress that I think in in our lifetime, we just have not experienced whether maybe past generations, it was the great depression or things like that, which was felt like folklore to us, right? Like we didn't really know what that meant, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we saw ramifications from it, right? Like I have friends who are like my parents grew up in the depression, so they saved everything and they were really frugal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that we have no idea what your sweet kiddos are going to take into their adulthood from this experience that it's like, hardwiring their brain in certain ways that we just don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, it's Um, so true. And that is going to be fascinating to see what those effects are. It will be interesting to see what studies are done and how all of this, the long-term effects of all of this. Definitely. It has to. It has to. Does it, 
and you know and and it might build resilience like because they've sure. got a great parent like you or they're they are coping with it well maybe we'll see like a generation of kids who are super resilient and gritty and like get through things because they've gotten through something because i think you like you you guys would probably agree like I haven't met many people, but once in a while you meet, might meet somebody who feels like they haven't had any adversity in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And those aren't the most interesting people, right? Like the people who are. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Like have gone so through true. Stuff, that is true. Right. <laughs> um, and, and also like come out a little stronger and have perspective and have wisdom and, and just compassion and empathy. So, yeah. um, you know, you know, in some ways I, I think it could, I'm always kind of the Pollyanna lo- looking for the silver lining, but, mm-hmm. um, we also know from brain studies that kids who grow up in, um, really abusive situations, like really traumatic situations, when they uh, follow those kids over long periods of time, they find that their, their brains are wired to more automatically tune into or notice negativity in their life like they're more attuned to someone being mad or angry or sad rather than like noticing joy Mm. um it's 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 this phenomenon called neurons that fire together wire together Mm. so if you associate like someone coming in and yelling with like a, a negative experience then as soon as you hear a voice being raised on the train or at your workplace, like you're going to go into that fight or flight response. So, um, and you're just, you just notice that more in your life. I've, I've, I've heard the example used of like when, when you buy a red car, suddenly you see all these red cars mm-hmm. in the street, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you never noticed before. You're like, yep. I didn't know there were so many red cars, yep. but, but it's like what you what's in your consciousness becomes more and you like, you notice more of those things. Yes. That's so interesting that you say that, Dee, and and it makes perfect sense. But you know, when I, so I, you know, I have adopted children from Ghana. They were in a very abusive orphanage in um, over in Africa, and when I first adopted them, I could not believe how keenly aware all of them were, but especially uh, Carter. He was mm-hmm. six. And if I, let's just say I'm a mom, like say I'm standing on a sideline of a soccer game and a mom told me something that I was either shocked to hear or didn't want to hear or was upset to hear, whatever it was. Carter from like across the field could sense or know my face or my reaction and he would immediately run over mom what's wow. wrong what did they tell you what 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 happened what happened and I would be like Carter <laughs> nothing you know but I mean he the and he still has it I mean his radar is red car you, you red would car, always be right, right though like there was something always for sure. always he or if like and when Topher and I like when we weren't getting mm-hmm. along well it uh, it was so hard on him because we would try really hard to like wait to talk about things when they weren't around or, but you know, they, one time, this is crazy. He, I was picking them up from school and I think he was like in the fourth grade and he was walking from the doors of the school to carpool. And when he got in the car, he was just looking at my face as I was sitting in the car and he got in and I was like, really upset about something 
but I hadn't been crying. And, right. And I had made like the conscious choice, like, okay, when they, to get, put on when a, they get in the car, yeah. you know, here we go. Like, and to put normal, on a less concerned face. Yes. Yeah. And he got in the car and he goes, what's wrong? Mom, what's wrong? And I was like, baby, nothing's wrong. He goes, yes, it is. I know. I know. You can tell me, just tell me, mom, what's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, you're so right about that D and like, I've so seen that in all of my children to varying degrees, but Carter has it like, that's crazy. It is, but it, cause I've experienced that kind of thing with like, my mom always knows if something's wrong like with me, you know, I've heard about like parents and their kids, have, but I've never heard of that the reverse way yeah. of kids being able to perceive that about their parents. Yeah. Like mother's intuition versus yeah, yeah, just exactly. red, red car, red car, red car, red right. car. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to stick. Exactly. I feel that's going <laughs> to Totally. <laughs> wow. That's really fascinating. Okay. So, so D, um, I wanted to ask this question, um, and then I'd like to know, and I have lots of questions, but before I forget, you know, when I was driving here, I thought about, and we, we sort of alluded to this last week, but, you know, so many people who have had things going on in their mind um, with their brain, and, and they have a physical manifestation to what's going on, a lot of people put them in crazy category and and uh, make them feel like it what they're experiencing isn't true or isn't right or nothing's wrong with you. Like, I took your temperature, you know, I gave you two Advil, you're fine. And, um, yeah, they're, whether they don't believe it or they're skeptical of it, like, wh- for the people who are skeptical of the physical manifestation of something going on in your mind, the people who say anxiety or depression or stress is just a, a choice or a decision, like the people who, who minimize... That it's willpower, basically. Yeah, you know? minimize the, those things happening in our brains. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting sort of problem because I see it even manifesting in physical health. So I'll, I'll kind of address that first and then come back to the brain because I think that might be a good launching point. Okay. Um, so a couple years ago or about four years ago now, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypo- hypothyroidism, uh-huh. um, right? So it's a thyroid where you're, it's underactive and Hashimoto's is, is an autoimmune disorder where my body literally is attacking my thyroid, like causing it to have scar tissue and um, lowering energy levels and all these things. And I didn't know I had it. I kind of found it by accident. Uh, but it's such an invisible kind of like I look healthy on the outside, mm-hmm. but I just knew something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of, it's so common now. I think like the, like Gigi Hadid has it. It's like some of these celebrities are like coming forward talking about them having it. So it becomes sort of mainstream. Um, but I think it's similar to that where, or even like I, I work a lot with veterans with tra- uh, traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. Like they look fine on the outside, but there's a lot of physiological, psychological issues going on that are really uh, you know, serious that are hard to, um, you know, accept because it doesn't fall into something that someone can wrap their head around necessarily. Um, so I, I think my first sort of conversation with people who are who are at that space is just education you know just the idea that um uh just like we we've learned more about the body and physical health over all these years we're at that same spot with um brain health and brain fitness um 
And I, I think it's so important to kind of think about um, not only that maybe there's something wrong, but just that there is this sort of this um, spectrum of mental health, right? That it's normal. Like we should feel anxiety and sadness and stress. Like those are all normal things for us to feel. Um, I think a lot of your listeners kind of felt that validation. And I think it's not always recognized. Like we, we shouldn't go through life like completely with rose colored glasses. Like mm-hmm. life is going to have challenges. And really a lot of studies have shown that you stress or good stress is actually a good thing. We actually need some of that to build up cognitive reserve, which helps us have stronger brain power as we age and maybe wards off dementia and Alzheimer's. Ooh, that's um, interesting. We, good news yeah, for us, so, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> right. Definitely. You want kind of just the right amount, um, <laughs> the right amount in the right way. But I think what happens is because people start feeling like, oh, I'm anxious, I'm depressed or something wrong with me, or then they get it starts as like downward spiral rather than it sort of being like a recognized, acceptable, normal part of our, of our journey, you know, that, that, that there's going to be adversity and, and, mm-hmm. and things that we have to get through. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, one, one of my passions and goals is just to kind of, and I'm really committed to changing that conversation, like taking away some of that stigma of feeling like there's something wrong. And just, just like you might have a, like when I have a sore body, I go get a massage, right? Like I know there's mm-hmm. things that I can do to relieve the stress in my body, but what can we do to relieve the stress in our brain? And so hopefully that's some of the things that we can talk about there. What are some remedies or some ways to alcohol. Um, help? <laughs> Did you say alcohol? Yeah, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> You're Kevin. not entirely wrong. Um, just the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for a long-term Sorry, solution. Yeah, a healthy for, solution. Yeah. <laughs> long, Not just to get over the accident you were just stuck in. Lo- long-term remedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? And, but so just to dive into that a little bit from the brain science, because I'm such a nerd, that's where I always go. Yeah. Why Why is alcohol a good remedy, Kevin? Um, it, because, I don't know, it's relaxing. It takes the edge off, I think. It's relaxing, Yeah. yeah. And so the, it, the it makes me not care relaxed. as much about whatever's bothering me. And so from a brain perspective, what alcohol does is it induces alpha brain waves. And alpha is like the, think of it like the neutral gear in your car, right? It's kind of like you're cruising along. There's less worries. You, you aren't in like first gear where you're feeling sluggish and you're not in like fourth gear. It sort of helps you just sort of down regulate. You feel more relaxed, more mm-hmm. calm. Although if you had too much, then you might be in like first gear where you're like sluggish and, and, and can't really function. Um, so alcohol literally induces alpha brain waves. That's why it's relaxing. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. But, there, yeah, but there are other more healthy ways that we can induce health. <laughs> yes, I would like to hear some of those. Okay. It's not always the best solution to turn to, you know, turn to the booze. Yes. Yeah. But, but yes, I, I want to get to those remedies um, for sure. So let's, 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 let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. So what are some healthy ways that let's talk about sort of instead of alcohol? I mean, alcohol, I think is a short term. I mean, my, my mom always kind of used that phrase of like, take the edge off. Yep. Um, it's a band-aid. Yes, it's very temporary. So she spiraled off into alcoholism. So I mean, maybe mm-hmm. there's like a fine line there. Right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> are you taking the edge off or are you like slicing off the entire <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? 
are you making it into like a, a um, so hmm. other ways i mean studies are showing um things like meditation mindfulness the brain studies the imaging studies around that right now are really compelling and really robust to show i that love hearing you, that even when you take just like a, a minute you know there's things called mindful minute or the 10 minute mind is one of the apps that i love to to recommend that my friend Monique Rhodes, oh, who actually Tova was in the Stegen class right before us. Oh, wow. Monique Rhodes graduated out of Stegen and she's working with Stegen to actually bring mindfulness into their programming. So that's probably down the pike for them. It's really cool. Um, she has an app called the 10 Minute Mind. She has one called the Happiness Habits, I think it's called. If anyone's interested, let me know. I can probably connect you with her and she'll probably let you do a free trial of both of those programs. She, she offers that a lot. She's a wonderful resource out of New Zealand. She's just absolutely lovely. Mm. Um, so mindfulness and meditation have been shown to literally take your brain into alpha and even theta brain waves. So it calms you down without the sort of you know negative side effects that alcohol might have. I really love hearing that because and I love hearing that from you, Dee, because you are so research-based. You know, you know your stuff. And, so, you know, because there's so much controversy about whether or not meditation really does move the needle. So I love hearing from you that you have seen, you've seen the effects on the brain from meditation, from mindfulness. Because I so believe in it. I mean, I, yeah. I love to meditate. I absolutely love to meditate and I think I mean it calms me down it centers me I love the way it makes me feel I absolutely am a huge fan of it personally but there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy about um nah that's just a bunch of blah 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 you know? I think a lot of people think that it's really hard to get to that point where it centers you and I think sure. it is it's a lot of work right I it mean it is really hard you can't I, just all of a sudden try it a couple times and be like nope didn't work for me no and that's why I think you should start out with, like Dee said, one minute. You can do anything for one minute. Yeah, that's you know? true. Just It's kind of like jogging. Like you can't just go do a half marathon today. You know, mm -hmm. you, you start out one mile and then you add, I think it's a training of the mind. Yeah, actually, I mean, that's, that's a perfect analogy, Tova. Just like saying, like, if you meditate once, you're like, well, that didn't work. That didn't help. <laughs> like, if you're trying to get physically fit or lose weight, if you go jogging once, like, well, that didn't work. That's mm -hmm. not helping. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it doesn't, it's not just once. It's really yeah. that, it's, it's that consistency and repetition over time is what yeah. really changes the body and the brain. It's great. That's a good I mean, one. If, and if, if, if anyone wants to research that more, I'm a big fan of Matthew Ricard is his name. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He's a French guy, but he's a he's a monk who um, Dr. Richard Davidson out of UCLA, I believe, um, has done a lot of EEG studies. Like they put 100 electrodes on Matthew's brain and put him in um, MRIs and did all these studies um, because he is he's known to be like I think his nickname is like the most relaxed person in the world because he's <laughs> he seems to be very sort of just mellow and all about kindness and compassion. Um, and he's a lovely speaker. I saw him speak here in Dallas a, a few years ago through the Momentus Institute. Um, but he has lots of he has um, apps as well and like website um, information. Um, but what they found through studying these monks, because we thought that, or, or they went in with the theory, as scientists do, of like, oh, when they go into this meditative state, they'll go into these deeper level brain states like alpha, theta. Um, and what they found was rather than them going so deep 
when they meditated, because they meditated so regularly and um, were so like all about that, that mindset, that they didn't go so deep when they meditated, they were kind of always an alpha. They kind of stayed in this state of calm, relaxed attention and focus rather than the sort of like volatile wave that many of us are like up and down and up and down and occasionally get into that alpha brain wave. That's where they kind of spend most of their time. How lucky are those guys? But they work at it, right? I mean, it takes like literally yeah. training. Yeah, it's training not very lucky, there. probably. It's actually an intentional way of living, but that's amazing. Yeah, but it takes that work. Yeah, and it takes time. You know, it's kind of like doing your devotional in the morning. Like, it's kind of like the first thing you let go, and it's actually the last thing you should let go. You know, it's, it's like the things that we discard the the most or the things that usually we need the most. It's such, I need to know why our brains do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why we hold on to things and let other things go. Yes. And it seems like we, we like hold on to the things that we should let, let go and let go of the things that we should hold on to. Yes. And yes. So anyway, that um, we can well, have you it, back and discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's definitely a science of that, right? Like, like when when an emotion is really strong, which is probably something negative or something we've been through that was traumatic, mm-hmm. right? Like all, like all systems fire, and our bodies remember those sort of all systems firing more than watching a sunset or falling in love or whatever it is. We we our brain sort of again that neurons that fire together, wire together when you have a really, like I I was in a car accident several years ago that was pretty severe. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Like when I think about it, that I had the the same sensations in my body. I remember moment by moment. And so I think that, you know, when you have those sort of really negative sort of scary scenarios and, you know, I've worked with those, those veterans I talked about who were in serious I, I had some some of the my coworkers over years ago we had a big party and one veteran who was an amputee now he actually runs a, a great nonprofit called 22 kill um which is all about 22 veterans die by suicide every day um, oh. um so it's a so 22 kill is how to support those veterans so they don't want to take their own life but he i remember him t- standing on my porch one night and we started talking about it i think he stayed till four in the morning and he started telling me after maybe too many glasses of alcohol, um, <laughs> some of the stories of things that he witnessed in combat. And I remember that night, like I didn't sleep the whole night, just thinking of thinking through his stories. Cause he told them in such a way where they were vivid in my mind. And I kept thinking about them and they were horrific stories, um, of things he had to do or was told to do in these, um, conflicts situations. Um, but he lives with those situations. You know, so how how can someone who has any kind of trauma like that turn it off? It's hard to turn it off. So that's why we then have sleep issues and anger issues. And um, it sort of starts a cascade of um, poor sort of brain brain performance rather than. And so it just takes a lot more to sort of uh, quiet that down so that we so it's less impactful on our on our physiology and our psychology. God. It is really, it is really, I, I bet, I bet the veterans studies and the, 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 I, I mean, I, I was just reading, have you read Glennon Doyle's book? Oh, I haven't yet, but I love her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just read her book Untamed and she does this whole, 
she does kind of this whole chapter on how we abandon people in society. And she goes on a rant about veterans. And I, I just absolutely loved that. I mean, it's kind of, uh, out of the blue and I wasn't expecting it, but I was like, you know, we really do abandon our, our veterans, you know, and, and the effects that, that their service has done. I mean, we had, who was the guy that we had on our podcast? We had a guy on our podcast, Kevin, a long time ago, I mean, Daniel, yeah. Daniel, who'd been to, mm -hmm. it was back at the old studio, Afghanistan. Yes. Yeah. And he, he doesn't work now. Remember, he just really, really struggles. And he talked yep. about how much he struggles because of what he went through and what he saw. And, you know, so many, I know that there's so many people who think, why can't you just get over it? Or an eating disorder. Why can't you just right. eat? Why can't, or mm -hmm. alcohol. Why can't you just stop? Like, just don't drink. Well, it's just not that simple We're just not all for the same. people. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I, I love what you said a while back about how going through things in life, um, you, you, I, I, and Kevin and I both giggled when you said people who haven't been through anything really aren't all that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> people who haven't struggled are kind of boring. <laughs> and it's so true. But I think the thing that, that makes that I loved what you said is it does create compassion in us that probably otherwise would not exist. I mean, my daughter, she just started working and her family is all still back in Africa. And, you know, a lot of, they live a very different life than we do. And, you know, very, 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 very poor. And we still help them with like education, with the things that are important, but we don't take care of that my children's family, they, they're, they're three of 14 siblings. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And they were the youngest when they put them in the orphanage because they just couldn't take care of them. And so uh, they, anyway, Anna Prince sat me down this morning and said, Mom, I mean, she's 16. Imagine doing this. She says, Mom, um, you know, I'm working now, I'm making money, and um, one thing that I would really like to do with my money is start sending some of it back to to my family in Africa. And she was like, like, I know like $100 isn't really a big deal to us, but I just think like maybe I could send them $100 a check or $100 a month or something, and then because I think it would make a really big difference in their life. I mean... <laughs> That's very magnanimous for a 16-year-old. <laughs> What in the world? But I mean, there's not a lot of 16 year olds running around giving my money to anybody. No, when I was that no, age. <laughs> no, not at all. But something happened in her brain, right? Right. That, that because of what she went through and what she's experienced, she has this gear in her mind and in her heart that other people just yeah, it's a very unique perspective. Yes. So I, I really, I really like that. I and I do think as people we do need to have and something we've talked about a lot on this but i think one of the things that we could stand to do a lot to one another is just have a lot more compassion you know i loved hearing and learning d that our first response is kind of fight or flight as humans <laughs> and it makes sense to me it makes sense to me that that's where our brain goes 
But God, what a different world it would be if our first response was compassion. Yeah. Wouldn't it? It would change everything. If instead of getting mad or angry or leaving, we, we had compassion. Yeah. And I, I think it's almost twofold where what you're talking about with your sweet daughter is it's, I I think you and I talked about it, even with like the learning that we're having through Stegen, like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like once you Mm -hmm. sort of have that like transformation and that aha moment, you're like, Oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like you can never really go back because you've like unveiled something. Um, I think it's that um, I'm blanking on the other author who who made the point of like, um, you know, like, like, um, once you know better, you have to do better yeah. kind of a thing. And I, I think love that, that quote. you know, like, like your daughter coming from her experience, she, she can't unsee that. She can't unknow right. that. So she's never going to not want to like be a part of that and give back to it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the people who haven't seen that or don't have that experience, um, you know, just, just, it's not a negative against them. They just, they don't have that in their DNA. They right. haven't seen it. They haven't experienced it. Right. Right. Makes sense. Um, okay. That was kind of a tangent and I'm sorry about that. The first remedy that you talked about was meditation. What's yeah, meditation. Mm-hmm. What's something else? It, something else. And so mindfulness, I mean, it, meditation and mindfulness kind of get wrapped up in the same thing, but mm-hmm. I tend to differentiate, differentiate them a little bit where meditation is in my sort of practice or the way I try to um, encourage people to take it on is more of a formal practice. So meditation is maybe when you're truly sitting somewhere in a quiet space, maybe taking, you know, the studies show it takes about, I think the studies are at, at least 20, but maybe like 45 minute sessions daily for several weeks for people to truly have the kind of transformative changes from meditation um, as far as brain changes and true feeling like they've, they've improved. Um, but studies have also shown that even just five minutes, even just like, like for myself, I'm not great at sitting down for 20 minutes. I'm still, I find myself getting sort of like, Oh, I forgot to put the laundry in the dish, you know, in the <laughs> yep. like it's, it's hard to just quiet that mind. Oh, I got to so, get cream. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was mine this morning <laughs> don't forget cream at the grocery store <laughs> right and, and, the, and the whole education around it like, that's normal good you, like thank you brain thank you for reminding me about the cream and so maybe having like, a pad of paper next to you while you're meditating or mm-hmm. you know before you go to sleep just you can like download that and write it down because I don't know about you Tova but if I don't write it down it's gone again like, totally yeah so, totally me too two days later like darn I forgot the cream um <laughs> Totally. um, It's sort of, you know, we have to, again, because our lives are so busy, have those compensation practices around. So taking, you know, writing it down or whatever, put it in your phone in your to-do list. Yep. Um, But mindfulness to me is really more about just being present in the moment Mm -hmm. as opposed to being worried about the next thing or thinking about what just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like for myself, before even jumping on this call with you guys or before speaking engagements or before a stake, you know, Stegen always starts that starts out with a couple of minutes of just like a, a centering practice. Right. And these yeah. are, you know, really high performers, executives who some have admitted in our class, even of like, I thought that was really silly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll say like, but now I really see how it's transformative. So yeah. once they experience it again, they, they, they see the power behind it. Totally. Um, yep. And so even just taking a minute 
um, to sort of center. I love to, for, for myself, I love to close my eyes and go somewhere and just take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we want to do, here's sort of the nerdy, ner- like physiology behind it, is that when we are able to slow down our breathing, slow down our heart rate, we, in our, in our nervous system, right, we have a central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord. And then within that central nervous system, we have what's called our autonomic nervous system. I don't think I talked about this last time. Nope. Um, and so within our autonomic nervous system, autonomic meaning automatic, it goes without us thinking about it. Unconsciously, it works. But there are two branches, and one is called the, the sympathetic nervous system, Um, which is your fight or flight. So when you get stressed, when someone cuts you off in traffic, when, when, when you think about that cream, there's something is happening in your neurons saying, Oh, I I have to think about that. It's like you're activated, but the parasympathetic is the opposite of that. It's what's called the rest and digest part of our nervous system. And so the easiest, the, the way you flip that switch literally from sympathetic stress and sort of fight or flight, to rest and digest is simply through breathing. Mm-hmm. When we slow down and take what are called diaphrag- diaphragmatic deep breaths, we're inhaling so deeply that our belly expands. So it's called belly breathing sometimes too. Um, I hear some practitioners call it low and slow because you should be breathing slowly, inhaling, and then it's going low into your belly. So your, your belly expands when the diaphragm, uh, when your lungs fill up so fully that it pushes out your diaphragm a little bit. Um, when, when you see kiddos do it, they'll kind of do the opposite. Like they'll suck in their gut. So they aren't really filling their lungs. They're just sort of like, <gasps> like inhaling really quickly, almost causing more stress. So it's really something to be taught. We, mm. we don't do it naturally, especially when we're stressed. We start really shallow breathing just mm-hmm. into our chest. It doesn't mm-hmm. even go into our lungs really. Um, and so that's literally what switches on the vagus nerve And the vagus nerve is the largest nerve in the body. It goes from your brain to all of your extremities and to all of your organs, like to your, to your heart and to your gut. Um, So that's why literally when you're, when you activate that, you just feel like a whole body calming because literally like your internal and your external, everything is truly shifting gears. Like your whole, your whole body and brain is truly down regulating. So deep breathing to me happens in mindfulness and meditation, Mm -hmm. but you can also just focus on deep breathing. And there are tools um, designed for that. One that I recommend that I'm trained in is called heart math. Heart math is one word. They're a company out of um, California. They were the early researchers in, in how breathing changes our brain, our brain power, but they're really all about the heart. They've actually done research into, I was thinking about this earlier when around some things we were talking about that we truly have this electromagnetic field around us. That's why I think one of you guys said earlier about how, when you feel stressed, like your kids knows, your friends notice, like you can't hide it yeah. when you're feeling stressed. And you may have walked into a room before and just been like, what's happening in here? Like somebody's pissed in here, right? What happened before I walked into this room? Like you feel just yep. the energy. Yep. And and that sounds like very 1970s, like energy, but we truly give off electromagnetic fields around like six feet. People can feel it. So I was, I was going to have a quick example of how this is actually I love hearing that because I know that I feel that you feel it totally very intuitive yeah you mm-hmm. notice that mm-hmm. um, and and many people do but sometimes they aren't aware of it, so they think maybe 
they're mad at them or they think they did, you know, it, we, we just tell ourselves stories about right. what's going on rather than like maybe being able to recognize like something's going on in here. Yeah. Um, but HeartMath did this incredibly interesting study years ago. One of the founders did a study with his son who was maybe like 10 years old at the time, I think. Um, and they do something called coherence training where they simply teach like deep breathing. So the idea of slowing down your breathing, closing your eyes helps because we take in so much visual stimuli that when we close our eyes, it just helps the brain become less active. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always close my eyes whenever I'm trying to calm down. It's a, it's, it's a natural thing that people do anyway when they're trying to calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why do we close our eyes? Like when we're kissing, right? Like, because you're in this, like you're in a different state. So it's a, it's the normal way that our body like gets into that moment. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a important thing to close your eyes when you're trying to be mindful. Yeah. I never thought about that with um, kissing, but it's so true. It's like, yeah, you want to be right there in that moment. Yeah. yeah it's kind of awkward if, if your eyes are open, right? It just seems like, what are you thinking about? Like, what are you doing? Why are what are you looking open? at? <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> Close your eyes. Uh, yeah. um, but the study showed that, so they had this young boy, um, uh, in, in a room and he was um, practicing. Um, he was, I guess he was just sitting there acting normal like a, like a kid would be. And his dog comes in the room and they have both the dog and the boy hooked up to what's called an HRV monitor. So they're measuring the heart rhythm of the boy and the dog. Um, they can see how often the heart's beating, how rhythmic the heart is. Um, There's kind of a whole different segment probably, but the heart beats in a certain way and there are different a variability in heartbeats based on if someone's excited or stressed or if they're really calm and relaxed. And so both the dog and the boy are excited. They're happy to see each other. They're having fun. And the boy is told to go into coherence training. He knows that means like close your eyes, deep belly breathe. He starts to relax. And what happens is his dog, his heart rhythm, the dog's heart rhythms start matching the boy's heart rhythms. Good. Simply by like electromagnetic, but I mean, dogs are probably crazy intuitive anyway. Mine sure are. I'm sure yours are too. Yeah. But the, but that's the idea of like, we're such collective social beings that the way one person is feeling impacts everything around that person. Oh yeah. Human, human, animal, everything energetically. So it's really compelling to show the impact that others have on us if we Mm -hmm. allow them to Mm -hmm. or the impact we can have on others by choosing to just be on automatic or to choose to sort of emanate from a different sort of mindset and also heart heart space that makes so much sense to me i mean as a mom i can i can absolutely tell you of a time that I was just like in a bad mood. I didn't have one good reason to be in a bad mood, but I just was in a bad mood and I was just kind of cranky and barking orders at everybody about what needed to be done that day and blah, blah, blah. And I knew, you know, when you're in a bad mood and you don't know why you're in a bad mood and you kind of have some shame around that, but you can't (laughs) freaking help it. (laughs) There's no excuse, but I, I was just feeling that way that day. And the second, you know, I got done barking at all my kids, there they go barking at each other. And I was like, this is my fault. Like I thought I created this, like I started this energy, like this is my fault. It was so obvious to me that, I mean, that what you're saying is so true. We pick it up, we soak it in, you know, and kids are sponges. Our children, and that's why I am 
am just really, um, I have a lot of opinions and strong feelings about as parents and not because I do it perfectly at all times, obviously, but like how we spend our time, where we go, who we hang out with, uh, who we're having sex with, you know, if you're single and who you're friends with, like all that energy that we carry as parents, our kids are soaking up that energy. I just, it's so easy for me to see that in myself and others. So that really makes sense to me, especially as yeah. a mom. Yeah. And just setting that tone and, you know, sort of like being, being that leader yeah. of the family or, uh, I mean, just so even at work, you know, if you're the leader of a team, knowing oh, yeah. that the way you show up in the morning, the way you say good morning, yep. people will feel it and kind of notice it. But yeah, I think kids not having any sort of maybe frontal lobe fully developed, they don't have any other story except maybe thinking it's their fault or thinking that, you know, something else is going on rather than, um, you know, being able to uh, like understand what's happening. I think totally. it's so important. Yeah. They just soak it all up themselves. And like you said, start creating their own stories that probably are just not true. We just do that as humans. I mean, we're in the absence of a story. We're, we're, pretty quick to create one. And it's usually not so positive that like you yeah. said, it's just where our brain goes and that's sad, but that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's just, there's, there's so much truth to that. Yeah. Um, so, so I, go ahead. So I love to, I, I love to work with adults and, and executives, but really one of my big passions too is working with kids, even little kids, like, like three and four year olds, like can actually learn this. Right. I remember teaching my, my little niece when she would get upset and I'd be like, breathe just deep breathe and, and, and then they end up laughing right because like you're so silly NTD, but uh, just having fun with it but then they learn that as a tool to like to breathe and thankfully you know athletes learn this if if you're able to watch like uh, michael phelps when he's up on the diving board like because that's the only sport you can really like get up close and see someone's face but you see him going to this like meditative like mindful deep breathing state and that's what athletes hrv heart rate variability training came out of the athletic world largely because coaches were teaching their athletes how to get their best physical performance by before you perform, like take a deep breath, like focus on your body and calm down your heart, calm down your brain, um, be in the moment, right? All that matters mm -hmm. in the moment is that athletic performance. But I think we can harness that same kind of energy and mindfulness for anything that we do. Yeah. I love that. You know, uh, I listen to Oprah's podcast and she's, as many people who listen know, she's huge on mindfulness mm -hmm. and, and she would like you distinguish between meditation and mindfulness. She would, she would probably say something like just from listening to her that meditation is a practice. Mindfulness is also a practice, but mindfulness is kind of like a state that you, that you want to like live in and, and meditation is something that you do. Um, yeah. like, a, you know, a, a, like I'm, I meditated today. I am a mindful person, <laughs> you know, did those two make sense? Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And there's, there are practices of like mindfulness, like there's things called like mindful walking or mindful eating mm -hmm. where you're, mm -hmm. I actually have, have a clinician on my team that she'll run people through these sessions of like eating a little orange 
um, or like a Hershey's Kiss, and we'll have them in front of people, and people will just start eating them mindlessly, and we'll be like, whoa, 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 slow down. We're going to do this different than you've ever done it before. It's going to be really weird. And some people are looking at us like we're just crazy, but we'll have them (laughs) first smell the orange, you know, and then like um, think about how that orange showed up on your – on your table today? Like who are all the people that touched that orange or where did it come from originally? Where was it grown? How was it flown here? How did it get driven here? Mm. And kind of being grateful for all the, you know, the whole journey this orange took and then very slowly peel it. What do you see? What do you smell? Kind of tuning into all the senses and people Mm. like almost get emotional, like getting teared up. Like it reminds me of my grandmother or, Mm. um, just slowing down to be in the moment rather yeah. than we just eat without even tasting our food sometimes. Yeah. Um, so and that can it, be, those can be practices, but I think mindfulness too is just sort of as a counselor, I'll, I'll say this last thing about mindfulness is yeah. as a counselor, there's a saying that, um, when people come to us, if they're feeling anxious, they're often like living in the future. They're worried about something that's happening, not happening. What's the future look like? Could happen. Or mm-hmm. could happen. Worried about that. I'm kind of in that state now, having been laid off from my company. Like I'm kind of like, where am I going to be in a month, in six months, in a year? Like it's totally exciting one moment and then scary the next moment. So it's that, that sort of framing is, is important. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when people come or it's just the state they're in, if they're depressed, often they're like living more in the past, right? Regret or remorse or thinking about something that happened in the past. And mindfulness is sort of that space in between where you're literally just in the moment, mm-hmm. not, not sort of still stuck in worrying about something in the past that ultimately like maybe is huge and like needs to be processed, but you can't, you have no more control over it. Like it's happened, it's over. Um, or being worried about the future, which you also don't have like immediate control over. Um, So mindfulness just allows you to be in that space where you're not in that anxious or depressed state. So it can be a really healthy mindset and brain state to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really, really love that. Um, In our last few minutes together, uh, I would love for you, we kind of touched on this a little bit in the beginning and maybe a little bit in the middle, but I know that for myself, um, when I was experiencing depression, I was, I have experienced depression a couple of different times in my life, just going through very difficult things. There, I had a lot of shame when I went to my doctor to talk about how I was feeling and he suggested uh, medication. You know, he mm-hmm. suggested that I get on an antidepressant and I was like, I don't want to be, and I've talked about this here, you know, I don't want to be one of those people who just takes pills and pops pills and and he, he my doctor who I was talking, he was like, oh, you're right, you shouldn't because if you had like, diabetes, you wouldn't want to take insulin. Or if you had, you know, he was giving me a hard time. Um, and he was like, why, why would you not want to treat something? Why wouldn't you want to do something that would help you feel better? And for me, before I did get on antidepressants and started taking antidepressants, I had, I mean, I didn't want anybody to know if I was going to go on a vacation, I put the pills you know, in, in a, I took them out of the bottle. I didn't want anybody on the trip to see it. You know, if I was on a girl's trip, I didn't want anybody to know that I was, why is there so much shame 
and I'm sure you see it, you know, and when people come in and their brain lights up and you're like, oh, I see anxiety here. I see some depression here. God, you seem really, really stressed. I can, I can sense or I can imagine that there is shame associated with, with number one, being diagnosed with it. And number two, having to find solutions for it. Why? Because I love what you said. Like if you broke your arm, you just put a cast on. Or if you have cancer, you it's not your fault. You have chemo. Like you you go to radiation. You thank God that there's remedies for that. Why are we so ashamed when we have these things in our mind? Oh, gosh, I know. I mean, I think that, I think maybe Kevin said it earlier, right? There's sort of this idea of like, well, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, like maybe that's sort of mm-hmm. like an older generation. Like people just thought like it's, it's weak. that stuff happens. Yeah. Weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people feel like well, something's wrong with them. But I think, I don't know, maybe again, I'm kind of Pollyanna, but I think the conversation's changing. Uh, people like Patrick Kennedy, you know, with the mental health forum initiative. I mean, I think there is a lot changing to recognize that, um, you know, mental health is as important as physical health. And, oh, absolutely. And, and especially all that we've learned about the brain, just like we learned a ton about the heart a couple decades ago and heart health changed a lot. Now we're learning so much about brain health and now we know that there are things that we can address. Um, kind of like pe- uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, we started taking out the disorder part of it many years ago. Mm. It's not a disorder for veterans coming back from these traumatic experiences or someone like yourself having gone through the trauma you've gone through, you know, losing, you know, children. I mean, there's so many, the, the, the trauma your adopted kiddos have gone through, that, that's not a disorder to have memories in your brain or deep, deep sadness from something that you should feel really deeply sad about. Like, how is that a disorder? How is that something not working right? That's something working really right. Like you're a psychopath if you don't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Um, a lot, Dee. Part part of it came from years ago of like the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual came around where medical model became all about pathology. Like what's wrong with somebody? We have to put like a label and a diagnosis on people so that then insurance pays for it. Like Mm -hmm. the whole model, I think, is just about what's wrong and and how to, you know, how to label people, which I've always been against sort of insurance and labeling because that becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. I've had Mm -hmm. seven-year-olds be like, oh, my my ADHD or my anxiety. I'm like, don't own that. That's Mm -hmm. not you. It's something you're going through that we're going to get you through and on the other side of. So I I think it's many years of the way the medical model was set up that it became a disorder or something that you were, something was wrong with you that needed to be fixed as opposed to like, you're going through something that it is a normal, mm-hmm. natural a cycle that needs to go through, but there are tools and things that we can do. And so I think that just like someone with a physical injury would have services and resources. I think we're getting to the point now, I hope where people recognize that um, whether it's a coach or a counselor or Things like mindfulness meditation. I mean, it wouldn't we wouldn't have this boon of mindfulness and meditation if like a lot of people didn't need it, right? right. So I think a lot of people need it and are accessing it. Um, and I'll just make a plug for a couple more things that are a little bit more um, stronger than some of the free things I've talked about. Everyone has access to their breathing. Everyone has access to kind of taking a 
taking a step away and meditating or doing mindfulness. Mm-hmm. But if someone wants something like that next level, heart math is a is the probably the next easiest level tool. I think their inner balance device that measures the heart rate um, is like $150, but it gives you a nice like app where you can see your how your breathing is changing your heart rhythm. So that's really helpful for people who maybe don't recognize that their heart and their brain are really connected. Mm. There are more nerve cells in the, in the gut as well as in the heart, and the heart sends more messages. I actually argued with HeartMath when I heard them say this about that the heart sends more messages to the brain mm-hmm. than the brain sends to the heart. Because I was like, well, that's crazy. But then I read their research, and it's really compelling. Like literally just the way the, the vagus nerve works, the way the neurons work, literally we get more messages unconsciously from our heart which truly is like the center of our intuition and our and our spirit or soul or or however you want to think about it um than our brain because the brain takes so much conscious effort um like we literally there have been studies that show that your brain knows that you're gonna move your right pinky finger before you actually move your right pinky finger, right? The brain knows before it's conscious, mm-hmm. but sometimes it never even comes to conscious thought. Um, so heart math's a great like next level way to sort of control anxiety. But the one that I love the most is something called alpha stim. Um, and I, I know I mentioned I would send some resources, so I will send some PDFs of some of these resources for your listeners too. Okay. Um, that'd be awesome. But, and I but can post them on my... Alpha stim is a device that truly by its name, it, it increases alpha waves. So it increases that sort of relaxed brainwave pattern, FDA cleared to improve insomnia, depression, and anxiety. So it's my sort of go-to tool. It's something people buy. It's about $800, so a little higher level, but such a great, I, I think babies should leave the hospital when they're born with an alpha stim, just like a sign to them. Everybody needs one. It just is such a tool to help people through the normal trials of life. I have never heard of this thing. Most people haven't. I know. I mean, wow. again, again, we're. Sort I mean, eight hundred dollars is pretty steep. But if I'm struggling with anxiety, depression, I'm gonna get that thing. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna that totally would be worth yeah. it. Wow. And, and they they actually just came out with a new code this year that insurance is starting to cover it a little bit. Um, but again, I, I sort of sound like a conspiracy conspiracy theorist. But you know, health insurance isn't set up for people to get better. Health insurance isn't mm-hmm. set up, or even pharma, you know, the pharmacy industry is not set up to have people get better. They kind yep. of want you on medication for the rest of your life. Sure. So yep. I think some of these tools that actually help get to the root of the problem aren't really well known because the the farm the pharmacy industry just has a higher budget to spend for advertising. And it sounds easier. Like I'd rather take a pill than actually sit quietly for 20 minutes with the alpha stem or meditating. Uh, I'd rather swallow a pill. I think that takes care of everything. Yeah. Wow. I love that one. I'm, I would, to- if I ever experience something like that again, that, that, yeah. that will be my purchase. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for well, telling and, us and that. If, if anyone's here in Dallas, I have little demo devices that, that I let people try and, and, and there are reps in many cities who will let you try it just to see if you like it. So I'm happy to connect people with that. To wow. me, it's, truly like game changing if you're not sleeping or if your anxiety is, you know, truly impacting your day-to-day functioning. It, to me, it's absolutely um, game changer. Wow. Thank you, Dee. That's awesome. Um, okay. I know you have to go, but before you do, the I said I had two things, I want, two more things I wanted to ask you. Um, I, I, when you, uh, okay. So I know that people 
we introduced last time. Boy, I just stumbled over a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start that whole sentence over again. <laughs> um, so I'm, oh my gosh. I met you through Stegen, the Stegen program, leadership program that we're in right now. We graduate from our program, our year-long oh. program here in another month or so, which is crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. But... Um, you have been an, a, a huge uh, leader and had a, have had a huge impact on brain health. And uh, I know you're well known. In fact, several people reached out to me when um, when I posted something about you. And were like, I love Dee. I'm like, how do you know Dee? Um, but uh, and I know that you are trans. You're in a period of transition. And you know when you sent the email to the Stegen Group about about your job, um, you changing, you know, having to change your job. And, and I, I was actually super excited for you because I think things for you are just going to get better and better and better. And you can kind of just create your own space, um, for whatever comes next. But I, I mean, one of the things that you do that I know you're phenomenal at and um, have been really incredibly successful with and, and probably are going to continue to do is speak to companies, corporations, uh, even churches, all kinds of organizations about brain health. And, um, and I, gosh, I think that you would be, if this became your full-time gig, I mean, the world needs it. We've loved it. We've loved having you. I know so many people have. So if somebody has a company or organization that they would love for you to come speak to organize, um, or somebody wants to come and have their brain scanned or, I mean, how do people get in touch with you, D? How do we yeah. find you? Oh, thank you so much. I How do we hire that. you? <laughs> How do we get you on the payroll? <laughs> I, I so appreciate that because I think that, you know, when, you know, as we've talked about, like life sometimes throws you for a loop and you're like, oh my God, I, I was at that that position for seven years and didn't see a, a layoff coming, but we're in a different world right now. And yeah. so um, sort of feel like, you know, as many people have said through Stegen and other friends of like, they just see this as like a door opening as opposed to a door closing. And I'm, and I think I'm there too, but there's still moments of total stress around it. But I think it's truly a time for me to focus on what drives me and what's my passion and my gift and my like total mission um, and what I'm really committed to. So yeah, I love to do speaking. I speak at companies. Um, I'll, you know, my website is, is, is helpful to just look at some of what I do. It doesn't have my speaking on there necessarily, but um the website is neurofitnow.com. So it's neuro, N-E-U-R-O, F-I-T, fitnow.com. Um, that has all my contact information. I'm on LinkedIn, D O'Neill. Um, um, I, I would love people to, I'll, I'll make one last plug of sort of where I'm, you know, I, what I'd love to talk about. There's my word salad there for a second. Yes. <laughs> I have so much to say. I'm trying to squeeze it in. No, um, I want, I want you to. I, what, what I tend to talk about uh, at companies and some of our Stegen buddies have had me speak to their companies and just been so like scared to, cause they're like, you know, my, just so you know, my, my leadership's really sort of conservative and be careful what you say about mindfulness. So I'll, I'll stay away from that. And then I'll just talk about brain science. And at the end, inevitably someone's like, Hey, what do you think about mindfulness? Cause I think that's really cool. <laughs> so I love that like high powered executives, like get this stuff now. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a different conversation. It's not a soft skill anymore. It's a hard, 
hard skill. Mm -hmm. If people can't like calm themselves down and better regulate and be collaborative and and be a a calm, collected leader, then I I think it impacts all of the workplace. Um, So I'll talk about sort of stress in the brain. I have a TEDx talk that I'd love people to watch. It's not a great recording, but it's, but it's where I talk about stress, but how we can harness stress to actually improve our performance through a couple simple strategies of reframing and recharging. I talk about some of the breathing and things like that there. So if you just Google D O'Neill, O N E I L L, um, TEDx, you can check that out. Um, and then, oh, one thing I want to say was a topic I'm talking about now that I'm just starting to do with a group called the Expo Group, which is a large sort of conference um, industry around the trade show space. I've wrote, I've written an ebook with them all about the emotion of awe, awe in the brain, and the how the state of wonder and like curiosity creates this optimal emotion called awe. Um, So I'd love people to sort of leave this conversation. We've talked about stress and like all these hard things, but I'd love you to leave with like, how often do you experience awe in your life? How often do you sort of have that physiology, that physical, psychological feeling of like, wow, look at that. Look at that sunset. Look at this person. Look at the ocean. Like whatever it is brings you that awe because it's such an under misunderstood or lowly understood emotion that changes our brains so much for the better. Um, so I, I talk about the science. I have, I have a whole new talk and ebook around that. And the graphics are amazing through Expo Group. Um, so that's my new launch probably in the fall of I'd love to share with companies of harnessing the power of wonder and awe in the brain. And I the brain love that. that. I love that. It's such cool stuff. You are such cool stuff, D. I mean, you are. If I had a company, well, if I had a podcast like this, I'd have you on it. If I had a company, <laughs> if I had a company, I'd have you come speak. I just think it's so, I just think it's so important. And the thing that I love the most about it is it kind of normal, well, it brings light into the a dark and mm. and it creates normal um it creates normal in in a, in a conversation that might not feel so normal so i just can't thank you enough i adore you d and i respect you so much and thank you for being so smart and working so hard and i i can't wait to see where what's next for you um you're 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 about to blow up girl Oh, thank you so much. I love hearing that from you. And I and I just want to thank you for being you and how you show up in the world and, and all these wonderful people who who listen to your and have access to your podcast, the lives you're changing, the the impact you're having in this world for for the better is absolutely extraordinary. So well, thank you for letting me be a small part of it these last couple of weeks. It's awesome, Dee. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody has an amazing week. I hope you all call Dee and see what's lighting up in your brain and 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 start working on what can fix it without any shame i'm starting with you kev (laughs) yes gotta get you both in (laughs) thank you so much y'all have a great week